Darnell Williams at the tailback. They'll hand it off to Williams up the middle. 25. Cuts it inside. 30. 35. 40. There goes Cadillac. To the 50. To the 40. To the 30. To the 20. To the 15. 10. Go crazy, Cadillac. Go crazy. Touchdown. Now they can play a little safer. But they're not going to. Nix is back. Throws it downfield. Caught. Touchdown, Williams. A 20-yard attempt. Josh Harris, the snapper. He'll call to the place. He'll hold it. Byron waits for the snap to the place. There it is. The kick is up. The kick is good. Auburn wins. 22-19. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Auburn Today podcast. As always, my name is Noble. I'm joined with my co-host, Wheeler. Today, we will be breaking down the Auburn loss against Ole Miss at home this past weekend, as well as previewing Auburn's upcoming matchup against Mississippi State, uh, as Hugh Freeze is looking to get his first SEC win as Auburn's head coach. Gus Malzahn, in 2013, got his first win against Mississippi State. Granted, it was the first SEC game he played, but Hugh is is hot on his trail, and uh, I think we're feeling all right about Hugh getting his first SEC win this weekend. But before we get in to Mississippi State and breaking down them them as a team, let's talk about the Ole Miss game. Wheeler, Auburn lost twenty eight to twenty one. Uh, kind of a a frustrating a frustrating loss. Definitely felt like a winnable game. Uh, Peyton Thorne did capitalize uh, off of last week's record breaking performance. Uh, and he passed for 100 yards again this uh, this weekend. It was 100 on the dot, so we have yet to have over 102 passing yards, and I think it's eight straight Power Five contests now. But you know, one one record is behind us. But moving into it a little bit, Peyton Thorne. It, it felt like this was kind of the the most quarterback play that we saw. You know, it felt like both guys really, it felt like almost a 50-50 split, if not 50-50. Uh, Peyton Thorne was 9 for 13 for 100 yards, um, one touchdown, one interception with a QBR of 33.5. A lot of those yards came on the the final drive when they threw it just about every down and uh, marched down the field and scored. Uh, Robbie Ashford was 3 for 4 for 22 yards, uh, no touchdowns, one interception, a QBR of 35.3. Uh, Thorne uh, added 34 yards on the ground. Robbie Ashford added 27. So, and then Holden, we saw Holden come in. He uh, was in for one play and had negative nine yards. Um, so, either just before we get into the game itself, before we get into kind of what happened and what we expected, just give give us your thoughts on the quarterbacks. You know, we saw all three. Holden was in um, an interesting moment in the game. It was it was a bold time to to call the double pass, but just give us your thoughts on kind of what you were thinking when Robbie came out to start the game and really how you how you thought the coaching staff handled that that uh you know QB rotation. You know, I think I'm more split on the quarterbacks than I've ever been. Uh the right now I think that the fact of the matter is that neither one of them is just very good. And you listen in the stands, you look in the comment section, you read on Twitter, message board, whatever. Everyone has very strong opinions about the two quarterbacks and who is clearly better than the other. And I think that the truth is somewhere in the middle that neither one of them is distinguishably better. Like Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford, pluses, minuses, everything all out there, they're about equal. And they're both pretty ineffective. 
you saw with Robbie Ashford this week, he was asked to do a little bit more quarterbacking and a little less running uh, wing T type read option stuff. And I didn't think he played very well. We've been pretty big proponents of Robbie and saying that with the way Peyton Thorne was playing, that Robbie should get a go. I thought that he got a pretty fair shake, and I didn't think that he showed that much. I didn't think that he distinguished himself as Robbie in a game is head and shoulders better than uh, Peyton Thorne in the game. And Freeze, I think, was trying to say, basically, in his press conference this week, that there was stuff on the coaches. And I think that this week, more so than any other week, the game plan, just looking at it from the outside in, just was not what you would have expected to see. I thought that there were some really botched missed calls, especially the third and sixes running the ball up the middle. I think that's just a really hard thing to watch, to know that your team is surrendering because it's third and six and they just know that they can't throw the ball. But at the same time, you have situations where Robbie's starting the game. Freeze says that they call a running play. They say that it's a slap. It's supposed to be a handoff right up the middle. Hole opens up for the running back. Robbie pulls it when there's no option to pull it, runs around the side, and loses two yards. And as a coach, that's got to just make you frustrated. That Unless it is just blatantly obvious. I think even the Clemson game, I think this has been a thing because Dabo came out this week and said the same thing about Cade Klubnick. Cade Klubnick was on the goal line. The play is blown up in front of him, and he pulls it, and he tries to go around the side so that they don't lose the game getting stuffed going up the middle. That almost makes more sense to me than first play of the game. You try to read somebody that you're not supposed to read and you still lose two yards. Like it just wasn't there. So I think, I think there's a difficulty there with that. Um, and so the other thing is hold or not holding. Sorry. Peyton Thorne did not play a good game. He, the interception that he threw in the end zone, why in the world are you throwing a 50-50 ball to a 5-9 receiver that is double, almost triple covered? Like, it's it doesn't make sense why you would go and make that pass. That's just a really poor decision. I don't care if he's the first receiver on the on the route tree. that You just don't make the throw. If he's triple covered, the guy has run the ball and just not thrown the ball so many times the entire game. Why does he wait till the guy's in triple coverage to finally say, you know what? Doesn't matter what I see, I'm throwing it out there and he's going to go make a play. And no offense to the receiver, it's not like you're throwing it to Fairweather, who's a big body out there. You're throwing it to the little burner. You're throwing it to Caleb Burton. It's just so tough to see. You see Robbie go out there and tries to throw a deep ball. Freeze said in his press conference when they put Robbie in the game, Ole Miss would pull all their pass rushers. They thought they had an opportunity. I like the call of taking a deep shot there. I really do because you tell Robbie most likely – Throw the ball so far that only your guy can get it. Or if he's triple covered, don't throw the deep shot. We're going to get a field goal out of this. And again, he throws the deep ball into triple coverage. The receiver falls down, which makes a bad throw worse. And you get the interception, and that ends the half. Neither quarterback is very good. Neither quarterback is very effective. I don't think that you can objectively say, this guy is going to lead us to the promised land. And I think the reason they're rotating in and out is they're trying to wait until one of them catches fire one game, and then you ride with that guy when he finally has a good game. But there hasn't been anything to show that either one is good. Now, same ticket. I don't mind switching them between drives. The business of switching them within a drive, it's just not good. 
I feel like that's been the worst thing we've done. Switching between the drive, we always almost get a delay of game penalty. The drive always stalls. I don't know that we have had a drive that has been very successful where we were switching the quarterbacks in and out. It just it it doesn't seem like it's happened. So I don't know. I this week was tough in the sense you saw it. You saw that they were so close and they could have done it, but they just didn't quite have the talent. Now the bright side of this is you're about to not play a top 15 team for the first time in four weeks. So you cannot have it and you can still win the game. But the past few weeks, you had to have it. You couldn't just be awful with subpar talent. And honestly, the past two weeks have been pretty bad and you have subpar talent and you're just not going to win the game that way. So you finally are going into a game week where you don't have to play perfect. You know more about your team. And you can go out and you can win the game and make everybody feel better. We said before the season who Auburn was better than, who they were worse than. Auburn hasn't lost a game yet that they were not supposed to, that they were supposed to go win. Right now, I think they should win every game left on the schedule except for the Alabama game. I think that's the expectation. I think if you lose to Mississippi State or you lose to Arkansas, then you're behind schedule, behind schedule of where you should be. I'm not even venturing to say losing to Vanderbilt. That is an absolute guarantee that you should not lose to them. And goodness gracious, not New Mexico State. I have no doubts that we beat New Mexico State. I have very little doubt in beating Vanderbilt. Mississippi State and Arkansas, I feel good about winning those games, but you have to win them. Like You can't come out and say that you still feel okay about the team because they've lost to top 15 teams. I agree with that, but they do need to start winning this week. And the offense needs to score more than 20 points to win, most likely, the next couple weeks. I agree with you. And I think that that's the thing that you're going to look at Hugh Freeze with. And that's, I mean, that's what I was talking with people about before the game is first year head coach, no, you don't have to go and win a bunch of games. Like that, that you don't have to win, you know, 10 games first year. Like Auburn fans got a little spoiled with Gus Malzahn just having, you know, caught lightning in a bottle. That's not normal. But what you do need to do, I think, is if your team – I think that there, there are parts of the fan base that think that this team is more talented than they are, but there's also parts of the fan base that think this team is less talented than they are. Talent-wise, this team can hang with teams like Ole Miss. We, we've seen that. Teams like Ole Miss, like you, you should be able to hang with them. Is Ole Miss a better team? Probably. You know, if, if this game is played in Oxford, is it a seven-point game? Probably not. But the, the fact of the matter is, this was a winnable game, and at some point you do need – to win games that you're not supposed to win. That's what you want to see in year one is you want to see you win the games you're supposed to win and maybe get a get one that you're not supposed to win. And Ole Miss was one that made sense. Ole Miss was the easiest one of the ones that you're not supposed to win. It's at home. They're the worst of the teams. It's tough to expect, you know, winning in Death Valley. It's tough to expect being the number one team in the country in Georgia. But I think that the – and it's obviously going to be tough to expect to win an Iron Bowl. But I think that the, the thing that's frustrating – is that you knew that you ideally you want to get some momentum and winning games you're not supposed to. And this felt like it could have been that game, but it just, it, it didn't happen. But so moving forward, and this is an interesting thing that I, I want to ask you about. So you have, you've got Robbie Ashford, who we have seen in the Brian Harson offense was not the most effective passer, but he was able to get numbers. I mean, he did throw for over 300 yards against a team that won the West in Brian Harson's offense. 
We've seen Peyton Thorne, and yes, Peyton Thorne at Michigan State had some, you know, shakier performances, but it wasn't like this. It wasn't quite like this where it's like, oh, my gosh, Thorne had a great game. He, he threw for triple digits. Like, it, it wasn't that bad. So do you attribute any of this to – and, you know, it, the, the last drive, you know, the, the 100 yards is deceiving. I mean, going into the fourth quarter, Thorne had like 26 passing yards. You go in – you throw the ball, and yeah, Miss Ole Miss may not have been playing the most hardcore defense. Like they may have been in more of a prevent mindset. You know, they weren't quite in a prevent defense, but you know, the players are cognizant of the fact they're up fourteen with seven minutes left, and this offense is not able to be effective. But you saw Thorne was somewhat effective in throwing these short passes, and it it was reminiscent of the 2019-2020 offense where the offense wasn't doing anything Bo would throw a slant to Seth Williams and Seth Williams would make a play you would get a catch you would get a first down you know I feel like all Auburn fans know that crazy stat that Seth had where it was like 60 percent of his receptions were either for a first down or a touchdown and I just feel like that's something that we saw at the end you know the those two quick passes to Fairweather where the guy, I mean, he was completely covered. He was blanketed, but the throw was there and it gave his guy a chance and Rivaldo made a play in a 50-50 ball that we've seen is kind of his specialty. So obviously Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford are not, I mean, I'm not saying that these guys are just first round NFL talents when it comes to throwing the ball, because that just doesn't seem like it's the case. But do you think that the offense is not really putting them in a position to be effective throwing the ball? Or do you think it's just completely... Because I, I just think you can't say it's completely that these guys just aren't effective passers because we've seen them have numbers where they are effective passers. But it just feels like that's not really what the system is right now. But you also can't help but wonder why it's not the system because we've seen these guys put up better numbers than they're putting up right now. It seems to me like they don't want to get behind on the chains that they don't want to sacrifice any place because they know that if they get behind in the chains at all, that the drive is dead. And so in the name of not sacrificing any drives, they're sacrificing drives. They are running the ball. They're being super conservative because they have the feeling. And the odd thing is, is Thorne in the first half struggles to hit those slant routes. In multiple games, the slant route has been open. A curl route has been open. And he either, I mean, I I can think about it. In the Cal game, it was a curl route. It was the one that was an interception. He threw it over Fairweather's hand. Fairweather hits it with his fingertips, Oops. goes over interception. LSU game, there were multiple times where it was curls and slants, and he just missed him completely. I mean, the dude couldn't has a humongous wingspan. He didn't hit the broad side of the barn with it. Same thing happened this week where he misses the guy who's right there. And so – in the name of not getting into obvious passing downs because the O-line isn't going to be able to hold up in an obvious passing down, they try to never get into an obvious passing down, and they just never throw the ball. I mean, how many attempts were thrown before the fourth quarter? There was very few. Other, If you take the first drive and the last, I'm going to say, two drives when we were really trying to score, if you take those three drives out of the game, what was the run pass percentage? I mean, it had to be just some awful number of like probably 85 to 15 percent. I mean, we did not attempt passes. Okay. Also, I guess at the end of the thing, well, it was one pass where they got intercepted. But we just, we don't attempt the passes because I don't think they want to get behind in the chains. 
And so much can go wrong on a pass. You can get a holding, and I feel like we hold a lot on our passes. But even then, I, I also think you have to look at the amount of plays you're getting, and it's just not that many. Like, at some point, you have to change what you're doing. I think that's intentional because they know that the defense is okay. The defense is solid. They're okay. They're not great. They're trying to limit these games. They're trying to make these games short because you know what happens when you don't make the game short? LSU happens. LSU was the Georgia and the Ole Miss game, except for they didn't control the ball on offense enough to keep the offense off of the field for LSU. Yes, but I think think at some point – you you got to run some things that not even just keeping the defense honest, but there are some plays that you should like when it's third and six, you should be able to run a slant route and feel confident in at least your guy having a chance to do it. And I think that that's what this offense is missing because that was what I mean, the, the that that was exactly what the 2020 offense was. The 2020 offense was very ineffective, but they would throw 50 50 balls to Seth Williams and say, well, let's see if he can make a play. And I think that Rivaldo can make those plays. Like, he might not be quite like Seth Williams in traffic. I mean, Seth was particularly impressive at it, but he's good at it, and we know he's good at it. And I just feel like that there is a better chance of converting that than trying to get a weird run play that picks up eight yards on third and long. You now, know? This, and then, is a mix, this is a mix of coaching and playing. They all talk about the depth of the route not being consistent, and I think that's why these passes are getting missed so bad. I don't think that he is just an inept arm talent that he knows where the guy is supposed to be and he throws the pass and he misses a six, seven target so far outside of his catch radius. I truly think that there's a a component of it where the coaches at the end of the day do not trust the offense on third and six to run a slant or a curl route that is going to be at the right depth because they know if it's at the wrong depth, it's an interception. The game turns on its head because you're down in your own end zone and they're like, we're just going to run the ball, and we're going to try again next drive. And that's understandable. But at some point, you got to have guys that can run a slant. Like, you, you at, would at hope, point, but I don't, it doesn't look like they do. But, but at like some point, that's on the, the only one that can run the right depth. But that's on the coaches at that point. If you're if you're at this point in the season and you have one receiver that's running routes at the right depth, that's on the coaches for not getting the guys ready to play. Like, you can't yes. have – you can't have a receiver group of 10 guys that really skill-wise are not that different, and you can't get one that can run a slant the same way 10 times out of 10. Well, the question is for having a plan that's too complicated that a receiver and a quarterback can't agree on what the depth is supposed to be. Because I highly doubt that the receivers are just inept at knowing what the depth is and that they haven't figured it out or they haven't been coached to it. It, it, And we wouldn't – nobody can know this unless you were inside of the Auburn facility to know why is it that Peyton Thorne and the receivers are never on the same page about depth every single time Peyton Thorne talks about it after after every game he talks about it he comes off to the sideline and he and the coaches are yelling at each other about it no one is in agreement over the depth and I don't understand I understand that you're trying to have your offense you're trying to set your culture but at some point you got to simplify the offense to what your guys have like, if your guys just don't have it up here because you couldn't recruit guys that were able to get on the same page, change the offense so that there is one depth. And part of that is probably if you play two quarterbacks, the different quarterbacks might throw it at a different spot so it messes the receivers up. And that's something that I think that was prevalent 
is it felt like there were two offenses and it wasn't just, you weren't just switching out quarterbacks. You were switching out whole personnel groups. And that's something I didn't love because you have guys, you know, like Caleb Burton's a, a good example. If, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know if Caleb Burton played a single snap with Robbie. I think he was only a receiver with Thorne. And I could be wrong about that, but it, it felt like it felt like he was out there. But if you if you play a snap with Thorne and then Thorne's drive ins, you know, you go on defense and then Robbie comes in, has a drive, you go back on defense and then come back. Real time, that might be 20 to 30 minutes where you're just not playing. And that's difficult, I think. Like that is difficult to expect guys to just come in, come off like it's tough to expect that from guys. I really do think it, like we talk about quarterbacks getting to a rhythm, but everyone gets into a rhythm. Like linebackers are probably going to be playing better, you know, in the third or the fourth quarter than they are in the first because they they've seen the guys that they're they're in there, they're playing. And I think the receivers are the same way, knowing the nuances. That's something you're losing is that the receivers aren't able to get into any kind of groove, just like the quarterbacks can't get into any any kind of groove. And that's just it, it's the issue that you have with the offense. And I think that right now. It's like you said earlier, you're at a point where it's just going to be ineffective and you're not going to like it just doesn't seem like, you know, you're seven games in and you're not any closer to naming a starter than you were in week one. I feel like at this point, you just don't like you just ha- you're stuck. You have to play a two QB system, which it's winnable. You can if you play like you did against Ole Miss, you can beat Mississippi State. You can beat Arkansas. You can beat Vanderbilt like you can do that. It's just kind of annoying to watch it win it's a winnable game that you're losing and it's because things happen like that. Like the, the Robbie Ashford interception, I, he didn't really have that much. I mean, there were two guys that ran routes. He had time. He throws it. His receiver falls down. Didn't love the call in the moment. Didn't think it was a smart decision to throw it. And then the receiver falls down. You can legitimately put blame on a lot of guys on that play. Um, Same with, you know, then there's the, the holding play. It's like, all right, you put you go for the double pass when your offense has been struggling, you're close to field goal range, you might be able to get points on. You know, you you decide, hey, let's take our shot play and let's try and get some let's try and get some points, do a trick play. You gotta tell Holden, look, man, you can't take a sack. You know, and like, yeah, you see the play, you know it's man coverage, it's a stack. Holden's gotta see that. I mean, Holden's a quarterback. You know, like he, he should be able to recognize what a man coverage is. Like if he goes out there throw it away dude like but you, you know, can't that's take why he's not playing like there's exactly a yeah. the third string quarterback and the play that they draw up for him is literally you don't have to look at anything you don't have to think do your thing go spin it do the nfl or do pro day go out there and throw the most beautiful ball eighty-seven thousand people have ever seen and drop a dime on him you don't have to read the defense there's going to be one route and so clearly you see that that is his issue and yes, you're right. Freeze even said that about it being two offenses. Because they asked uh, if it was difficult to get into a groove, he go or difficult in practice. And he said, well, they're running two different offenses, so it shouldn't be. Well, that's hard. That is hard for these guys to understand. It is. This is, I think that sometimes the coaches live this stuff all the time. And the players are, uh, don't get me wrong, they're working as hard as they can. But at the end of the day, they they still have to go to class. And I know everybody cracks on players of like, oh, they don't do hard majors. And there are plenty of guys on the Auburn football team that are doing really hard majors at Auburn. They're having to study. Yeah. They also have to have some kind of life. And so to have all of that going on in your head 
and then execute every single Saturday with two different offenses that are changing like this. It's not even drive like, okay, get your mind right. You're on the sideline. We're going with Robbie. It's going to be this offense. You can walk through it. It's no. It's Robbie's offense. Okay, now we're changing everything. It's going to be uh, Peyton Thorne's offense now. That is that is a lot to ask the players to do. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think it's, it's just a difficult situation all around. And it, I think that the thing is you can't blame people. You know, like the, the quarterbacks are in a tough spot. The coaches are in a tough spot. All the players, all the coaches are in a tough spot. And they're doing what in their, you know, these guys have been playing football for years. They've been coaching football for years. They're doing what they believe is the best option. And in all likelihood, it's probably better than what we think. You know, at the end of the day, like Hugh Freeze knows more about football than we do. Philip Montgomery knows more about football than we do. So at the end of the day, they're in practice every day. They're seeing what they see every day and they're making decisions accordingly. So at the end of the day, that's why they're doing all this stuff they they have an idea what they're doing and they believe that it's the the best option that they have and as fans we just have to you know weather weather the storm with them and hope that you know they can figure out a bit of a groove and still be able to put some points on the board but moving forward these are competent guys it's not like the last staff where you could truly question if there was competency like you don't have stories of recruits getting left at the atlanta airport that make you think like they don't get it they don't get how to do this effectively. They just are in over their head. Nobody on this staff, this is their first rodeo. There's nobody on this staff who you're like, man, I wonder if he's ready for the big time. You're not thinking, is Hugh Freeze ready to coach in a program like Auburn? That's that's not a question. You're not thinking, is Philip Montgomery really ready to be an offensive coordinator? And these were genuine questions you could have asked about a lot of people on the previous staff. And I think that's why it was fair to not trust in the coaches when that happened. This time, these guys are experienced guys. Now, Marcus Davis, he's one of the newer coaches. I think that it's a fair criticism to say it seems like the receivers are struggling and you have a new coach. Even though he played at Auburn and you want to support him, it's a tough look when you're a new coach at a position and your position is one of the weak leaks on the team. I'm, You know, I mean, and I think that that's – the only situation, but it is. It's frustrating and people want to blame somebody, but it's not always that the sky is falling. It's not always that you need to make a change in who's doing it. It's just sometimes you need a break to happen. You just need something to work. You need it to be executed. And you might just see that if you step down in talent, just a smidge. You know, I mean, it doesn't even have to be a big change to see a big change on the offense or the defense. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, just before we move on, talking about Marcus Davis as well, it's like, yeah, this is – this is, it's a it's a new situation for him, a new season. He stepped into what has been Auburn's worst position group for years. I mean, even, even the teams playing, that probably. were – Yeah, I mean, even, even when Auburn was winning a lot of football games – you can point to the receivers being the worst group on those teams. So I don't think that, you know, you're not expecting Marcus Davis to come in. Like the only way he can really fix it at this point is recruiting and his high school recruiting and wide receivers is looking pretty good. But to move on, you know, uh, just talking about the game a little bit, uh, Larry Nixon played a really well, played really well. Marcus Harris played a phenomenal game. Uh, Keontae Scott and Austin Keys coming back was really nice. You definitely saw 
that made an impact. Keontae Scott, I mean, he is just – he's a phenomenal football player. He just really is. So, he he makes the defense a lot better. Cam Riley played another game. That, I, I feel like Cam Riley and Marcus Harris are guys that really aren't getting talked about a whole lot, but they have elevated their play a lot from last year. And they were quality starters last year. I think that that's something – those guys have definitely surprised surprised me with how much they've improved especially. Austin Keys being back was 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 great. Um, Justin Rogers played really well, uh, in addition to those guys, but the defense defense, it was nice seeing, you know, the defense just have a really solid game all around. A lot of guys really elevated their play, but moving into Mississippi state, this is the first time Auburn is favored, uh, in a conference game under Hugh freeze. They are a six and a half point favorite over Mississippi state. Mississippi state is coming off of a seven to three victory against Arkansas, just a terrible terrible offensive football game I mean it was disgusting it was difficult to watch but when you look at Mississippi State they're they're kind of a team that if you ask me they're they're kind of similar to Auburn they you know it's a it's a first year head coach but it's just just so much like they're just worse than Auburn you know like they they started out with a bad team they they blew them out go they play Arizona, not a good Pac-12 school. They win close, tight game in overtime, get blown out by LSU, have a close loss against South Carolina, get blown out by Alabama. Um, they beat Western Michigan and then beat Arkansas. So while their record is a little bit better than Auburn's, it the the quality of opponents so far is not not exactly incredible. Uh, their their schedule gets a little tougher down the road as Auburn's gets a little easier, but. Looking at Mississippi State, especially that Arkansas game, quarterback Will Rogers was injured against Western Michigan. Uh, so Mike Wright, the backup, was playing. He was 8 for 12 with 85 passing yards, one touchdown and one interception, added 60 yards on the ground. Not the most prolific passer. Will Rogers is listed as questionable for the Auburn game. Uh, so that will definitely be, you know, something to monitor throughout the rest of the week and up to the game that if he is playing the, the quality of offense that the Bulldogs put on the field will be a lot different. Um, but if Mike Wright is the quarterback, yeah, I mean, we might see a three to two game. I mean, it's going to be two pretty decent defenses and two offenses that are really struggling. And whenever that happens, you just you're happy to be at home. You know, you're happy to be at home where your offense feels a little bit comfortable and their offenses you know, less comfortable. But overall, Wheeler, what what are your thoughts on Mississippi State? You know, we were both watching that Arkansas game together, and it was just impressive at how both teams were just struggling as as they were. And it, it just really feels like Auburn is just a better team than Mississippi State. And this is really the first time you can say that, really since Cal, where you're like just night and day, like, yeah, like the guys in orange and blue are better. Um, and obviously playing at home is nice. But give us your thoughts on, on Mississippi State and kind of what you're expecting this weekend. Yeah, I think if if Will Rogers is not playing, Auburn can score 17 and win the game. And I feel pretty good about that prediction. I would be shocked if a Mississippi State offense without Will Rogers scores more than 14 points. Same thing with Will Rogers. I think he's worth about seven points. I think they score 21 max. This is going to be a low-scoring game. This is going to be – both teams are going to have the same game plan. Both teams are going to try and take as much time on offense as they can to let their defense rest because neither one of them feels great about their offense. Very similar, I feel like, record-wise. I mean, I know that their schedule's been a little bit easier, but, I mean, kind of – it's even playing the easy team, you win the game, you do a West Coast road trip against one of the bottom-tier Pac-12 teams – I think Auburn's caliber has been a little bit higher in who they've played. 
But pretty similar teams, I think that the seven-point advantage is just because it's at home. I don't expect to beat Mississippi State by a ton, but I do expect to win the game. I think the offense will be able to score enough points to get it done, but I don't think that it's going to be like the offense puts all of the pieces together and we're like, wow, where's this offense been all year? I think you're looking at kind of a 21-24 to 14-17 game. So probably within 7 to 10 points, and I don't think either team passes 24 points. Well, so, you know, with that, you, you got to think after how the Ole Miss game went that both quarterbacks will get an extensive look. So my question to you is, which quarterback do you think has a better game on Saturday? I think you're going to see Peyton Thorne getting more of a look, and I think you're going to see Auburn throw the ball more this week. I think Mississippi State's defense is one that if you try to just run the ball, they're going to shut it down. I don't think that they are as top-end talented as Georgia is, but I think as far as a college football team working together as a defense, I think that they might play at about the same level as a Georgia. And I was very surprised, frankly, that Auburn was able to get 200 yards rushing against Georgia. Now, part of that was you had several breakaway runs. And so if you get the breakaway runs against Mississippi State, obviously that's great. But they just played an entire week last week. They didn't give up any home run shots. I mean, they are a very fundamentally sound that, you know, they disguise a lot of things. I think it's going to be difficult for you to just run the ball against this Mississippi State defense. I think that the defense is what they pride themselves on, and they're going to do everything in their power to make Auburn throw the ball. I mean, I know that every team to a point is doing that, but Ole Miss's offense or defense is not good enough that they can make Auburn throw the ball. Like, Auburn could have run the ball, and we, they did run the ball pretty well against Ole Miss. I think against Mississippi State, you're going to have to throw the ball. Now, I think it's possible to throw the ball, but it's on Auburn. They're going to have to throw the ball. I think you see Thorne play more than Robbie, and I think when Robbie is in the game, he throws the ball more than he has. I I, I agree with you. I think Auburn plays pretty well in this game. I think Auburn covers. I think Auburn wins, and I think that this will be – I think this will be the the – I don't want to say the turning point for this season, but it, it's going to be the moment where it's like, all right, they got their feet settled. They got hit in the mouth. They, they had a lot of close games, a lot of close losses, but now it's time to win some games. And I think that the staff is is hungry for a win. I think the players are hungry for a win. You haven't seen any kind of any ounce of quit or anything like that from, from these guys, despite losing four straight. Like I, I I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty good about this game. I think that uh, the players are ready to win I think the coaches are ready to win, and I think that they'll they'll plan accordingly. And I think Auburn gets into the win column uh, this weekend and gets the first SEC win of a few freezes career. But whether they're just you know off the off the dome, just give us a, a score prediction that you think might be a, an effective one for this game. Twenty four fourteen Auburn. I was I was going to say the same thing, but uh, I'll I'll give I'll give Auburn a little bit you know a little bit more of a boost and I'll say twenty seven fourteen for for the Tigers just so it's different than than Wheelers um, but overall you know I think we're feeling you know we're both feeling pretty confident in this it's been a while it, it has been a while since both Wheeler Wheeler and myself were predicting the same real outcome especially that being uh, an Auburn win against an SEC opponent it feels like when I feel good he doesn't and when he feels good I don't but. You know, moving forward, really think that this is a great opportunity for Auburn to, 
you know, just reestablish what Auburn football is and kind of turn the turn the the page on this kind of losing era. You have Mississippi State and then Vanderbilt and then Arkansas uh, as your three next SEC games. Those are all extremely winnable. Vanderbilt's having a tough year, as always. Arkansas is really struggling at the moment. Um, Sam Pittman might be on the hot seat by the time we're playing them. Um, but overall, I, I think that this is a this is a big game. It's nice that it's at home, two thirty kick. Um, the lights are going to be lights are going to be bright, and I think that the players are going to step up, step up to the moment. But as always, you know, we'll be back next week to break down all that happens against Mississippi State. Uh, appreciate you guys listening, and War Eagle, War Eagle.